Hello and welcome to Psychology Pathways, the podcast where we explore academic and career possibilities. Today, my guest is our illustrious department chair, Dr. Chris Dazelski. And Chris, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Excited to do this. Yay. So I, I know there's a lot of things that we could chat about, but I thought first it might be just relevant for you to tell us a little bit about what your current position is. So what do you teach? What's the department chair responsibilities, et cetera? So I'm a psychology instructor here at Madison Area Technical College. Um, in that role, uh, my primary responsibilities are to teach a full load of classes, which is five usually, be responsive and supportive to students, uh, participate in department, school, and college-wide committees and activities, as well as to continue to grow and develop as an instructor. I typically teach psych of human relations, abnormal psych, and intro psych, uh, both online and face-to-face. As department chair, I'm serving a three-year term as that chair, which provides me with a course release each semester, uh, but the additional responsibilities of coordinating and running department meetings, coordinating various department projects around curriculum and scheduling and hiring, uh, and serving as the information hub between the school administration and our department faculty. Sounds like you're very busy. <laughs> It is. But a fun responsibility sometimes, maybe. It can be. It can be. And really just um, getting to see some of the, and support some of the interesting things that our faculty want to do. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, So I thought maybe if you could tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, academic. So part of the, the whole thing with the podcast is to try to get at what path led you here? How did you get here and how might that be similar or different to how others have done it? Uh, so if you want to tell us a little bit about your academic journey, just in general to becoming a psychologist, what was your motivation for pursuing psychology in general? Um, and then what degrees did you end up with after after all of that? Sure. Um, I love telling the story. I tell it to all my classes. So um, as a first-gen college student, uh, I went into college with very little clue about what I wanted to do. I thought English, creative writing, hang out, be a poet, you know, solid career <laughs> plan. Um, my first year of college I took, uh, and in fact my first class ever in college was a psychology class. Um, I enjoyed those classes, and so then when I got to sophomore year and they said, uh, you got to pick a major, I just looked and saw which thing I had the most credits in, <laughs> psychology, so I wrote that down as my major. Um, then I had to meet with an advisor, and then I had to take all harder psych classes like statistics and research mm-hmm. methods. and. Um, but also some things that I really liked, like personality and abnormal psych. Um, and then as, I guess, the person that a lot of people came to for advice and relationship help and sort of that kind of things and had been that way for a long time, um, I thought maybe I'd like to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I got a position at the College Counseling Center as part of their paraprofessional program where we got some training to do like peer counseling and to present on various programs to the student body at the dorms or student groups and that sort of stuff. Um, And we had different tracks. So there was like a stress and coping track. There was a study skills track. I was in the um, relationships track. So we did a lot of things on dating and relating. And um, we were very uh, instrumental in coordinating like sexual assault awareness week on campus and that sort of stuff. And this is all as an undergrad you were able Mm -hmm. to do that? That's wonderful. Yeah, it was a really cool program at the counseling center. I mean, you had to apply for it. and, um, And then you got selected and... And then, um, and then there was a training kind of, so you had training every week in general in like basic counseling skills stuff, uh, as a group. And then you also had your individual training within your track. So that's really cool experience. And what university was this? Uh, Marquette University in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Great. So, yeah. 
Um, so, um, it was then I think I realized that I'd have to go to graduate school to be a therapist. <laughs> uh, and I was like, what's grad school? And where is it? Because um, I had no idea. Um, so, while my classmates were like applying, studying for the GRE and applying to grad school senior year, um, I was playing catch up trying to figure out what I'm doing. Um, so, I graduated uh, in spring of 93. Uh, and I then started to prep for the GRE and put together all my applications for grad school. Uh, and after that first round, I got all rejections. Ooh. And it was there that I learned that clinical psychology is an incredibly competitive mm-hmm. discipline to get in. Um, and so after dusting myself off and picking myself up and then actually going and talking to some of the faculty, uh, rather than trying to figure it all out <laughs> on, on my own, uh, I figured out that a lot of the programs I was applying to got like 300 to 500 applications for like at most 10 spots. Mm. And so that kind of competitive level, I was like, oh. So, you know, I had great grades. I had good GRE scores. I had all that stuff. Uh, I think I didn't have much in the way of, like, any kind of research experience, but I had the paraprofessional thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I um, uh, basically, I reworked my applications, rethought some of the places I was applying to, reworked where I was, like, uh, the tiering of which schools I was applying to and stuff. Um, and reapplied the following year, uh, and then was eventually accepted from the wait list uh, at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Wonderful. And so was the the process of reapplying, these were all to the same type of programs? They were all straight clinical psych, or were they uh, I something mixed, else? So the second time around, I mixed it up. And I, so I had some clinical psych programs, some counseling psych programs, uh, mostly PhD programs that you could get a master's degree along the way and a couple of master's programs. But they were sort of like places that I wasn't all that interested in and that didn't have much in the way of financial support. Sure. My ideal was if I can get into a PhD program with decent financial support that I can get a master's degree along the way. And actually I was also um, a contender at uh, University of Akron in their counseling psych program. And so I went to visit there. Um, But then I was on Miami's wait list for clinical and had to make a tough decision and talked it over with some people, uh, including one of my professors. And um, they were like, this is kind of a no brainer, mm-hmm. like in terms of like the financial support package and stuff. So um, when Miami had a spot open up, like I took that one. So, so this financial support, so was it a, a teaching assistantship or a research assistantship or something else? Um, so Miami's, so Akron's was your first year you got nothing. So eat alone. <laughs> Um, that was ASU to too, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then your second year, you could um, compete for uh, TAs or RAs, so teaching or research assistant positions. Miami, it was a guaranteed four years of support, um, but it always went longer than that for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a combination of things. So you, your first year, you usually did either a GA or graduate assistant or or um, research assistant, so a GA or RA, at your first year. And then your second and third and fourth year, you were doing what we called practicum. So you were working out in the field, um, and that covered your, st- that was like your salary from the college. So and and you, could, you could continue to do a GA or an RA beyond that point, too. And was your practicum, did they have a counseling center on campus that you were working in? There was, yeah. So there was no other places. So we had a training clinic on campus. We had a counseling center on campus. 
The training clinic was part of the psychology department. Then there was the counseling center, which was separate and for all students. Our training clinic served the community and students. Oh. So they could go, could be either. Um, and then there were multiple practicums around the community uh, in the nearby area, in like Cincinnati and Dayton and some of the smaller communities around southwestern Ohio. So like some were at community mental health centers, some were at Children's Hospital in Cincinnati, there were some at the VA in Cincinnati. So there was a wide variety of different clinical practicums that um, you could go to. And did you get to select which track um, you were going? You could say, put a preference in. <laughs> Um, and it, it kind of went along with like, what are you most interested in doing? And they tried to sort of tailor and, and target that. Um, so, yeah. And what was your... My, my preference was to do the counseling center one. Um, and so I did that. I was a GA, I think for two years and then I did my, um, counseling center practicum and then I did, and then, then I made it bargain with the devil, um. <laughs> We had a school-based mental health program that they were developing, um, and so they wanted experienced students to be some of the first people in some of these schools to do school-based mental health. And so in the like K twelve system, K twelve system public schools. And so I was like, I don't want to work with kids, <laughs> but you need something to do. And I was like, You're right, I do. <laughs> um, and so I made a kind of deal with our uh, director uh, of training, and I said, Okay, I'll tell you what. I will do the school-based mental health program this year. If next year I can get preference for, we had a position called the doctoral associate, and so it was someone who was, you know, headed towards finishing their doctorate, mm-hmm. their masters, um, and it was a split position between you did part of your time at a small um, religious school, K K eight, I think it was, yeah, K eight, and then the other half of your time you were assistant to the department clinics the department's training clinic. So you were sort of like, you got some administrative experience of of supervising some of the students working in the clinic, making sure the clinic was run, sitting office hours, like when the administrative assistant wasn't there, covering emergency walk-in shifts, that kind of stuff. So, and making sure people turned in their paperwork. <laughs> the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Yeah. Did you enjoy doing that? I did, I liked it. Um, I liked being a senior um, person to the younger grad students. It was really kind of cool to like be there, you know, we had a clinic work room and so then seeing them when they were on their first, they had their first client, <laughs> talking them out of their nerves and then seeing the thrill when they would all be done and talking them through that. And, and then when the person never came back, like telling them, <laughs> it's you're okay. the best therapist ever. Yeah. one session cure. <laughs> you fixed them, great I job. Fixed them. <laughs> so it's just, uh, but then really just processing with them. Sure. So that, I love that. And you were uh, supervising their actual in-clinic sessions? With the supervision of a faculty member. So, so all three were in the... So we weren't actually in the session. So we had video, we had both audio and video recording oh. capabilities. And so we would often listen to audio tapes or watch video or, um, or just verbally report. And, uh, and so the clinic director was supervising me, supervising some of the students in that. And then there was also, we had a supervision practicum where you could learn to be a supervisor. And I did that for another student. So I had one student that I supervised her clinical work in the clinic for, with a couple of clients for that year. So that was fun. I really liked supervision. It was like all of the fun and interesting part without the pressure. 
about the actual work part. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> no I like the puzzling it through with somebody sure. about what is their experience of this client and what mm-hmm. could you have done differently and how you could do things. Yeah, so. Did you approach it in a particular style or school of thought or was it more eclectic based? So that brings up an interesting thing about Miami's program. Um, Miami's program, and I forget the name that they had for it, but essentially it was, it, and it, they wrote a paper about it, like the whole program was designed this way, a um, bunch of old hippies. <laughs> but the idea was um, our clinical like classes, you took a, a practicum in a certain uh, theoretical style. So, for example, my first practicum was client-centered. So you were in a class, and you would read client-centered stuff, and then you would see a handful of clients in the clinic, in the training clinic, based on that approach to therapy, and you were supervised by the person who was teaching the class. And so then you would do that, and every semester you changed practicums. So, oh, so you so got all of them. Yeah, and I should clarify, our external placements where we got funded and paid for, those we called externships. Practicum was within the clinic. Um, And so then the next semester you would have a different one, and you would have to learn that approach to therapy and work with clients from that perspective. Interesting. What was really cool about it is that, um, I like to think about it as sort of a gears metaphor, Um, you sort of developed your client-centered gear. That was the first practical my hand. So you sort of learned how to do that. And then the next semester, you had a completely new gear. But you can't completely get rid of the gear you sure. already have. <laughs> and so then you have to figure out, in, in the clashing of those gears, how am I going to be as a therapist? And I think the real value of Miami's program at that time was that, and I've, I've heard this from multiple supervisors over the years. I've heard this from other people that I went through the program, it helped you to develop a better sense of what is my style, what is my approach, what is my theoretical orientation, Mm -hmm. and the ability to um, conceptualize clients. Because many people sort of come at, most programs have always been, been this way, it's like, cognitive behavioral therapy and that's what we learn how to do and we must learn how to do this and follow the manual and um we didn't learn that and um so yeah that was a it was a unique program it is not that way anymore because all those people have retired and disappeared and now it is much more like a traditional clinical program which is kind of sad to those of us who were there Um, so more regimented in terms of what types of more therapy they do more like cognitive behavioral and then they think they have a school-based mental health track um but like largely it's mostly cognitive behavioral again now interesting it's interesting yeah it's a different sort of spin and as hard as that was like completely learning a different system of therapy every semester (laughs) that's a big ask you learned it and and then you had to figure out how does this fit or not fit for me um so and and you know and it was kind of like not every Type got taught every semester, so it was kind of a when you were there, what was available, what did you pick? Um, so, like I had, my first one was client centered. My second was personal construct theory, George Kelly's personal construct theory. Uh, third one was an assessment practicum with the clinic director, which was really great. 
Um, she was phenomenal. She had like a side practice of doing assessment and consultation in school districts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did archetypal therapy, which is <laughs> post yummy yeah. and stuff. Uh, and then I think that was all of them. I think that was all of them. But I also had my, I had a client that I picked up in that first year who I literally walked through college four years I worked with her and the person who was supervising me doing that with client centered continued to supervise me during those four years. So yeah, that was it. So I always had that there tether to tether. But, but as I was evolving as a therapist, how I was approaching things shifted to, to some degree. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, so degrees we didn't touch on. Um, I have a a bachelor's (laughs) degree from Marquette. In psychology? Um, in psychology, minors in philosophy and English. Um, and then I have my master's is in psychology, and then I have a PhD in clinical psych from Miami. In clinical psych with no specifier, it's just clinical psych. And um, speaking of that, so when you were done with your PhD, mm-hmm. what was the licensing process like? And were you looking at that when you picked a program? Were you location-bound in mm-hmm. terms of... So I never got licensed. Oh. Never did it. Interesting. So, <laughs> that whole other ballgame. <laughs> so, so, I um, I was ABD. Um, all but dissertation? All but dissertation. I was ABD. Um, and, how did this work? Went to internship. Um, and that was different than your practicum? Yep. So, internship, so you have to do, you have to, for PhD, you have to complete, in clinical psych, you have to complete a, an APA accredited internship, which is a one year experience at some agency. You're working full time, that's mm-hmm. your thing. Um, so, you had to complete that, and it's, so it's a certain number of hours you're supposed to get or whatever. Um, and so, and it was a just like medical school, a matched process. Mm-hmm. So, you like applied to whatever programs you wanted to, you interviewed at those programs, you rank ordered where you wanted to go based on that, and then they rank ordered who they interviewed, and then it went in a big computer, and then they spat out on match day, you're going here for the next year. (laughs) Um, So um, my partner and I were, you could do like a partner match where you would like, both of your sets would go into the computer, but we thought that might be too limiting and confusing, and so we both just, as we applied and where we were applying, we were sort of thinking that through. And so worst case scenario, I'd have been in Arizona and my partner would have been in Virginia for a year. Arizona's nice, I can attest. <laughs> I had one of the best experiences at Arizona State. Like when I interviewed out there, it was amazing. I had this really cool nature experience, like walking on campus. That's a whole other story. Um, and best case scenario, we would have been, I would have been in like, outside of Chicago and my partner had been in Chicago. So so like that was best case scenario. We ended up with second worst case scenario, which is that my partner was in New Mexico and I was in central Illinois. Oh. So, um, and the trick with that was um, we started internship like right before 9-11. So everything oh. about air travel changed every time oh, man. we went to the airport. So, you know, dealing with a long distance relationship while you're on internship under that stress and then everything in the world is right insane. falling apart yeah yeah <laughs> trial by fire, trial trial by fire. Yes. Um, so yeah so after that um we were trying to decide what to do my partner got a position back with a school-based mental health pro- program with the intention of finishing uh her phd finishing her dissertation while we we're there so then when i moved back to ohio 
So this gets into some, I think, one of your other questions that you had thought of was like, what kind of things shaped? Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back to Ohio, and um, I went there with zero jobs. <laughs> uh, and in not joking, in this matter of three days, um, ended up with three different jobs. Wow. So when you talk about like um, networking and the value of right. networking and of talking to people and leaving a positive impression... So I literally like knew we were going back to Ohio. I'm like, okay, I need a job because student loans are coming due. <laughs> um, so I thing. called the department, uh, the, the clinical director, or yeah, the clinical director of training, and um, who was my advisor. And he's like, all right, he's like, let me see. So then he talked to one of the other professors who needed help with. He was a editor of a journal for uh, one of the APA divisions. Oh. And so he said, I need some help, like journal editing stuff. Cool. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. And he's like, you know, it's all just like mailing and sending things out and editing things and sending things to people to get reviewed and getting the review comments back and sending those to the person. So it's that piece. But that was like, I don't know, 10 hours a week maybe. Um, I called the counseling center director on campus and I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. And he's like, oh, yeah, you were a nice trainee. And I was like, yeah. I said, I'm moving back to the area. Is there any chance you need help? And he's like, let me see what I can do. A couple hours later, he called me back. He's like, yeah, I talked to the dean of students, and we we have a need, so we tapped this a little fund they had, and we can hire you on for 15 hours a week working at the counseling center. And I was like, sweet, okay. That's still <laughs> not going to cover all the bills. So um, my I had a uh, had taken a teaching seminar, and the person that taught my teaching seminar um, said, hey, uh, Northern Kentucky University is hiring. They need an adjunct to teach intro. And I'm like, Okay. So I made a phone call. They said, come on down, interviewed, like, with the department chair for an hour. And he's like, great, you're hired. You start next week. Pick a textbook. <laughs> so I ended up with three sections of intro psych. Wow. Was, when you talk about the shift from um, clinical work to teaching, that's, I think, the start of it. Like, that's, that's where that really happened for me. Um, I came out of internship really burned out. Sure. Um, I was debating about like going into like student, student life, uh, cause I liked working with the student organizations when we, when I was on internship, we did a lot of stuff with going to the dorms and presenting and that kind of stuff. So I kind of liked that and I thought maybe that would be a cool kind of thing where I'd use psychology stuff, but wouldn't have the pressure of clinical work. Mm-hmm. Thought about that. Um, but we ended up back in Miami. So I'm like, all right, got to find a job. Yeah. Um, uh, so and it isn't, you know, if you would have asked me when I was in graduate school, I was certain I'm going to be a counseling center, counseling center therapist. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I, if you told me I was going to be a teacher, I'd have laughed at you until you were crazy. And then internship burned me out. But even all along the way in training, I was planning, like, I, I was keeping my options open. So I was a GA for a number of different classes, and I like doing that. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one professor like essentially let me write their syllabus. I did most of the grading. Like I did, you know, a lot of the class. Um, I got to teach a discussion seminar of intro psych, and I mm-hmm. liked that. Um, and then we had this teaching seminar as a class, and you could take it. It was optional. I went, yep, taking it. Took that. Um, when I applied to internships at counseling centers, some of them have option opportunities to teach. So when I was preferencing which counseling center internships I liked, um, I chose places that had the opportunity to teach. So on the one hand, I was sort of like keeping that in my mind, mm-hmm. doing those things. And then when I got out of our internship and was burned out, I was like, all right. And then 
Northern Kentucky came along and I was like, three sections, intro psych. And I loved it. And I was like, this is cool. I like it. I dig it. Um, and then that, I guess, transitioned eventually to, um, after that year there, um, my partner wanted to do a postdoc in central Wisconsin. I'm like, I guess we're going to move to central Wisconsin. <laughs> and back so, in the cold. <laughs> well, we wanted to come back home. We were both from Milwaukee area, so it was coming back home in a way. Closer to family. We were getting married, so we mm-hmm. wanted to be closer for planning purposes and all that. Um, not a lot of jobs in central Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, I still hadn't finished my dissertation, so that was I was still ABD. So there's not a lot of jobs you can do. Right. So um, I landed a position uh, as an adjunct at Mid State Technical College in Stevens Point, which was about an hour from where we lived in Marshfield. Um, and I loved that, and that made like that changed my perspective on teaching. It went from like I didn't even know the technical college system really existed as an option. Right. Yeah, we're always taught about the university yeah. system. Yeah. yeah. My dad had gone to a technical college to like learn how to program CNC machines, <laughs> so I knew they existed. But it was like in it never connected that my you know psychology might get taught there and that right. I could do that. So I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> um, the problem was it didn't pay nothing. So like I made more in mileage some weeks than I did teaching. <laughs> That's um, fun. Which is sad. Um, so I needed another job, and I. Um, uh, Landed a position at uh, a day treatment, behavioral day treatment center in Stevens Point as well. Um, and so I'll get into that in a second. But like the mid-state thing, it was there that I realized how powerfully transformative generationally teaching could be. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I realized, you know what? I could keep helping people one-on-one and spend an hour doing that work. Or I could spend an hour reaching a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. and teaching them about psychology and maybe they make their life a little better and it's preventative. And in my mind, like teaching is preventative work. Um, and that's what I love about it. Like, and those people then affect the people around them. Right. And, you know, and I've had students who have said, Oh, I went home and talked to my husband about this. I went mm-hmm. home and talked to my kid about this. <laughs> I went home and talked to my mom about this. And I love that yeah. about it. Like how transformative it is to like, and how that can be generationally, like breaking people out of poverty, out mm-hmm. of um, the, the circumstances that they're in, changing their lives dramatically. You know, it's that that's the cool part about teaching for me and why um, people, are, you know, I have students ask me, will you ever go back to clinical work? And I'm always like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be more work to do it, to get back into clinical work now right. than it would be to just retire when I get old and tired than I am. Um, Not anytime soon. The licensure thing. So the way that worked was when I went to central Wisconsin, again, I had, I was ABD, so I hadn't finished. So I couldn't actually sit for licensure. My my partner was doing a postdoc, so was studying for licensure and getting licensed with the state of Wisconsin. So I got firsthand knowledge of that, secondhand knowledge of that process. Um, But uh, day treatment because it's governed by state statutes, the rule for day treatment to be my position was clinical coordinator. Um, so I saw all the clients in the program for individual ther- or family individual or family therapy. Um, but the only requirement by state statute is that you had three thousand dollars of working with children. Oh, and because I had worked in the schools, back. yeah, the things I never <laughs> wanted to do <laughs> allowed me to right do there. clinical work. Um, 
Now, behavioral day treatment is kids who are behavior is so severe they can no longer be served in a school district. Um, so these are kids on their way to mental health facilities or juvenile detention or on their way back. It is the toughest of the tough kids, the mm-hmm. toughest of the tough like families. Um, we're talking about, you know, Stevens Point is, but we pulled clients from an entire area around there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were part of a system uh, that started out as adventure therapy for juvenile sex offenders in northwestern Wisconsin. And then they expanded from that to um, these behavioral day treatment centers across northwestern Wisconsin and central Wisconsin. And then, then they built, um, they moved into um, a residential facility for juvenile sex offenders, both male and females, along with the adventure therapy thing and then the day treatment system. So, and then they were getting into adult crisis help stuff. Um, and I think the company has shifted and changed a bit since I was there a long time ago, but um, yeah. So behavioral day treatment, incredible high stress environment, yeah. a, like really, really tough kids, really, really tough families. Uh, we had amazing social workers who helped, who helped, several of whom worked in residential treatment um, in hospitals, and so they were an amazing resource to teach me a lot about that population. Um, uh, incredibly stressful, incredibly challenging. Uh, we were there for two years while my partner finished postdoc um, at Marshfield Clinic, and so it was uh, a tough two years. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we had the benefit we got married and <laughs> paid off some debt and all that kind of stuff, but... Um, <laughs> incredibly challenging and if you if I thought I was burned out on clinical work after internship right. yeah that sealed it for you right <laughs> that, that sealed that's it like... for me <laughs> um, and so as we were heading into that end of that two years my partner's like okay look you've chased me where I wanted to go what do you want to do and I was like I think I really want to do this teaching thing um, and so our job search we started applying to places uh, in the same locale. So like Minnesota uh, and Minneapolis area, mm-hmm. uh, Madison area, Milwaukee area, um, trying to stay relatively close to home sure. and family. And um, uh, I interviewed at a number of different places. Uh, I had the worst interview of my life here at Madison College. <laughs> uh, got on and out of the, and then forgot about it. Uh, completely like forgot about it and then they called me one day when I was working in day treatment and I was like who what oh <laughs> oh you're you, oh. you'd still like me <laughs> we want to offer you and I was like sweet um, it was a one-year position so then um, during that year uh, another uh, full-time position higher long, long-term position opened up I applied again for that position uh, did not get it, but they extended my one year to a second year. So then, and then another position opened up. So then I applied a third time <laughs> and went through the interview process. Um, and during that, I was also then working on finishing my dissertation finally. And what was your dissertation? <laughs> my dissertation is the strangest dissertation ever to be passed through Miami University's clinical psychology program. Um, it is about women and role playing games. So oh. it's uh, a combination of kind of anthropology and psychology and clinical stuff. Um, so there's a piece of it that is um, looking at the history of women in role playing games. There is a component of it that was survey research about the ex- 
experiences of women in role-playing games and why people play games and that stuff, but focusing uh, mostly on sort of sexism in the gaming industry. And by gaming, I mean tabletop role-playing games. Oh, okay. So I was going like to ask if it was and, online or... Yeah. So tabletop role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons, most commonly known. Um, not online games, not video games. Okay. So tabletop role-playing games. And then the third component was um, these interviews with um, particularly people who kind of emerged out of the survey research and said that they would be interested in participating, in which I did a series of interviews with them. So the first interview was to interview them um, as themselves about their experiences in women in gaming. The second interview was to interview them as one of their characters, um, reflecting on their relationship to the player. Wow. And then the third interview was sort of a reflexive interview about the experience of the interview and how that was talking and so on and so forth. So I did three interview three three different participants. So it's very qualitative research. Sure. Um, so it's kind of a mishmash of different stuff. So there was like a this sort of history and sexism in gaming, survey research on that, and then this like how did playing these characters influence your sense of self and interesting. World. Yeah. So it's the strangest dissertation <laughs> I've ever passed through Miami's clinical psychology program. Um, so I was finishing that while in my third interview for a permanent position here at Madison <laughs> College and trying to pay off the last of right. undergraduate debt. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so, always at the fun, the best times when those best. come up, yeah. Um, and I got gutted in my dissertation defense. I got gutted. Um, I was down in Ohio, and it was so, and essentially they told me, you either finish or you're finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay. Uh, so and they gutted me on my defense, and I was like, ah, it was a long drive back from Ohio, yeah. there was an expectation from one of my committee members. They were like, well, you're just going to stay here and finish, like stay here in Ohio and finish this in the next three weeks, right? And I was like, uh, no, I have a full-time job back <laughs> home. Like, it was a difficult three weeks. Oh, man. Back home. My partner was incredibly supportive. I just literally locked myself down and wrote when I wasn't teaching and grading. <laughs> Would you say, so a lot of people end up in the ABD sphere. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I've had talked with students about that too. And like a lot of it is just persevering in the face of, I hate this so much, I can't even look at it anymore. Um, or I just really big obstacles. Did you feel that? Or did you feel the work you were doing was important or you really needed the degree or what was um, your motivation there? I think the motivation was, I started this, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> like I'm getting this degree. <laughs> Um, the, I liked the work, like I liked the research, but I just was terrible at procrastinating and then life, like other life stuff. So you're also having to work and do other things. And so like the last thing you want to do after you spend, I don't know, 50 hours or 60 hours with a bunch of juvenile delinquents and kids <laughs> with problems and families and whatever is to go home and sit at a computer sure, um, and write about really creative stuff because you don't have the brain space to do mm-hmm. it um so it was really challenging um and i think the the kicker was you know they said you're done right you're done or you're done and i was like okay <laughs> one way or the other um so that was motivating and i think it was just again I, you know i could have walked away at any point i had you know i i still was uncertain about whether i was going to have a permanent position here but i could have the position with or without a phd i had a master's degree mm-hmm. i could still teach um uh, so it wasn't necessary for that, but I just felt like it was something I started. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish it. Let's make it happen. That was kind of the, the kicker. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I really am glad that I did. Um, and it's when we talk about research, I haven't done any research stuff, but like now seeing the uh, amazing popularity of Dungeons and Dragons and how it's <laughs> taken off, I kind of kick myself because I'm like I was um, the cutting edge there. I was ahead of my time. Yeah. Um, you know, you see all this stuff now with therapeutic gaming where mm-hmm. there are people who are trying to apply this stuff and I was like, been there. Yeah, I was there two decades before <laughs> y'all decided to get on the ball. Okay. So, but that's fun. And I, I love talking about gaming and I still like it. Uh, I still occasionally am playing. I have a group that is sporadically playing because we have busy lives and kids <laughs> and families and whatever, um, but still do play Um my kids, um, they played a little bit with me. Um, I've gotten more into like strategy and board game stuff because mm-hmm. it's a little less effort and involved. Yeah. Involved <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, my last uh, question, I guess, is just what um, advice <laughs> would advice. you give <laughs> to students who are considering psychology? You know, knowing where your path went. And the experiences yeah. that you had that maybe at the time didn't seem like they were important, but then obviously came back into importance later. Yeah. So what yeah. what would you say about that path and changes you would make or what you would advise um, students to do? I think one of the things is, like, be sure you really want to do this. <laughs> and that's hard to do because mm-hmm. you can't go get the experience that will tell you whether or not this is really without the degree. (laughs) So it's like, so I would say if you can get what experiences you can. So like, again, the paraprofessional program, I got basic counseling skills. I had to talk to people. I had to like support them and help them. And again, most of ours was more programming ended, but like just getting that experience was a little bit. Um, um, So like make sure it is what you want to do. And whether that's clinical psych or some other type of psychology, like, Make sure you want to do it Um, because it is a long, hard road. I will say if you're not interested in going that full road, psychology is an amazingly diverse and versatile degree to have as an undergrad that will help you out in nearly every field you can imagine. So if you're not up for that, like do the undergraduate degree and use it to go do whatever it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do the graduate school track. Um, I would say the second thing, would be stay open to those twists of fate or whatever. <laughs> like keep your eye, keep your options open and and don't be so set on you think you know where this path is leading mm-hmm. you because I had no idea. Um, and and I'm thrilled. I love my job. I love the, the people I work with. I love the diversity of students. I love that every semester is a do-over. <laughs> I love that there are moments in time where it feels like everything is done and I get to like have a break mm-hmm. unlike clinical work where you are on all the right. time constantly um i think another piece of advice would be um learn self-care mm. learn self-care like um it is absolutely essential to survive in the clinical field um uh, you're going to deal with stuff that you can't even begin to imagine and hear stories about things that you probably haven't even seen on horror stories mm-hmm. like so be prepared for that. Um, and that means having a nice support network, an important sur- both professional support network and personal, emotional, social mm-hmm. support network. Um, and have the stuff you need to keep yourself grounded and helpful and together. 
Um, and that includes if, you know, going to therapy. It used mm-hmm. to be part of clinical training that everybody had to go to therapy. Right. If you were going to be in it. And that's no longer the case, but I think it's an it incredible, yeah, yeah, incredibly valuable experience. Um, um, recognize that if you're going into clinical work, you are going to be engaged in a, in a process of constant reflection. Um, mm. Most people don't realize that when they go into therapy work. They think like, oh, we do these things and then the magic happens. And um, <laughs> it means you are constantly, your junk, whatever that junk is that you bring to life, uh, is going to be with you in that room with that client. Mm-hmm. And so you are going to constantly have to be thinking about what am I saying? Why am I saying it? What's the timing of what I'm saying? How is that impacting the client? Is this about them or is this about me? Mm-hmm. Like, is this reaction that I'm having because of my mommy issues? Or is this <laughs> like a reaction to the client? Like that's, It's a constant process of self-reflection and it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, going back to self-care there. Um, um, what else can I say? Um, uh, find the free food. There's always free food. <laughs> If you are in an academic setting, there's always free food to be found. And usually in the business school, they have all the money. Usually in the business school, but just look, you will find free food. And if you're poor and in graduate school, it will be an invaluable lesson. I have a, a colleague who um, has their own pr- uh, practice here in town who um, was a friend of mine before they went the path into graduate school and uh, gave her that advice. Uh, and she still, every once in a while, like sends me a picture and a text of like, <laughs> I found the free food. Her in front of the buffet, like owns yes. her own practice, <laughs> but still like finds it's the free here. food and remembers that and says that was the best piece of advice you ever gave me. No. Oh, um, that's awesome. Um, other things, I think, just really like, um, just stay open. It's like you don't know where it's going to lead you, and. It's an incredibly fun and rewarding discipline. Mm-hmm. Therapy and doing that work can be incredibly, amazingly rewarding to see. Um, teaching can be just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it isn't about the paycheck. Right. Like, um, you know, you, you want to make money, go be a child psychiatrist. Right. Like, <laughs> you will have, you can write your ticket right now, anywhere in the world. Like... Um, if that's what you're about, then go do that. Like, um, that's not to say that we live a comfortable lifestyle, very mm-hmm. comfortable lifestyle. Um, as, as a teacher here, um, my partner works in the field. So, you know, the money's there, um, but there are, there are challenges that come with it. Of course. As <laughs> so, always. Um, any other stuff? Yeah, I I thank you so much for first of all being the first one to do this with me yeah. and I thank you for taking me on this journey also because it sounds like I think a lot of us have those sort of roundabout pathways that end end up somewhere. Yep. And I think that can be really powerful um, for students just to understand that it's not always a straight shot. Yeah. Um, and even if you think it's going to be a straight shot, there's always these curveballs that come. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay because they can lead to something even even greater that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Um, and one more piece of advice. Oh, yeah. Go just for it. One. <laughs> um, get involved. Ah, when you're in undergrad, talk to professors. Mm-hmm. Go and just have a conversation. Find something that you're interested in. Ask them about something you're interested in, that you're learning about. Whatever it is, go have a conversation with them. Talk to them. If you're going to, that's here at Madison College. When you are going to some transfer place at a university or whatever it is, get involved. Find the people. 
ask if you can be in their lab, ask if you can mm-hmm. like work on their research, get involved, network. If you're not into the research stuff, if you can find opportunities to do like, like I said, any kind of clinically related work, mm-hmm. do those things um, because that networking is going to help immensely. And you like, as my story shows, you never know where that's, you might ate whatever it was you were doing, but that may open a door right. that you didn't expect. That you didn't see coming. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank uh, the listeners for joining us on this this first voyage. And I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, Have a great rest of your day.